0: Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1014. Always be and stay curious. Curious about everything. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Ciao automotive enthusiasts, I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Michele Straniero. Michele, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride?
1: Yes, actually, I'm buckled up almost uh, uh, literally because uh, it's very windy and then you asked me to move in a more (laughs) silent situation because I was uh, hoping to make the interview from the rooftop where I'm right now, which is in Northern California, at the client site, but all of a sudden, it started the wind, so I had to buckle up and enter <laughs> in, a, in a safer place.
0: Yes, I didn't want you to blow off that roof. And we're going to explain a little bit more in a moment what Michele was doing up on a rooftop. But first, let me introduce him. Michele Straniero is the head of international business development of the Italian automotive design and engineering house Icona, headquartered in Turin, Italy. Previously, he covered the same role for the legendary paninferina. And even before that, for Comau, the robot and automation unit of FCA Fiat Chrysler. For both Comau and Pininfarina, Michele pioneered China market arrives to opening the startup for operations in their Shanghai in 1999 for Comau and in 2009 for Pininfarina. So you could say he's a world traveler. Always championing and promoting Italian creativity in automotive design and engineering, his restless traveling has brought him to relocate and work in Canada, Brazil, India, China, and now in the USA where he's calling in from California. In all these countries, his passion has always been to contribute with a managerial creativity in putting together ideas and resources in order to bring beautiful cars from the drawing board to the road. And we're going to hear a little bit about an extremely new, innovative car in a moment. But first... Michele, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and your passion for automobiles?
1: Yes, thank you. Thank you, Mark. Actually, you said a lot and actually sounded very, very important. (laughs) It's true that I've been traveling a lot. Sometimes it's just like I feel like being a a moving target, it's less easy to be be shot at. So... (laughs) It's what is really true is that i am passionate of of the automotive industry and especially for the automotive industry in the emerging markets as you have mentioned i worked a lot in brazil india china southeast asia and all these areas and and markets which are called emerging market, but it means full of of energy and full of people that are enthusiasts of, about cars, about uh, transportation. And it's, a, it's been a privilege to be able to work, and it's a privilege to do it now. And, and that is really a passion. And it's really a passion because every, in every place, I met fantastic people and I learned so much. And I could help in some way to put together resources in order to help who wanted to build a car to find a way to bring their vision and their dream into, into reality. And when you are able, and when I got to, after years of gestation, to sit inside a car and travel it, and maybe that the car was a taxi, I have such a, maybe a naive or maybe childish enthusiasm, I say, okay, I've, I've been part of this story, and I'm actually traveling this car. That is fantastic, whether it was in China or in India or, or in Brazil, that has been really great.
0: Yes, you've been having fun, and I'll let our listeners know that I met Michele uh, on the lawn at Pebble Beach at about 4.30 in the morning. He was with uh Pasca, I guess, Raffaello Porro. They wanted to know how to come on to the Dawn Patrol with Haggerty Insurance and get their hat and their coffee and their donuts. And I'll put a post on my Facebook page of that very early morning that where we connected and I got to meet you and have so much fun. But first, and we as got we continue... Hat. Yes, we did. You did get your hat. You know, and I'll tell you, that's not an easy hat to get. You got to get up really early in the morning to get that hat. But uh, yeah, Michele, I was very proud of you and Raffaello for your first Dawn Patrol that you got your hat. So uh, very cool. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is some kind of saying that has a meaning for you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So Michele, take the wheel.
1: A little bit shy to say that because it, it may sound uh, pretentious uh, or preposterous. I mean, because it's in Latin. But you have to think that because I'm Italian, for us, Latin is really very simple and very basic. So mm-hmm. the, the, saying, uh, the mantra that I always, the whole my life I've been following is, "nil umano alienum puto." "Nil umano alienum putum" is a quotation from Terenzio. Terence is a, a Roman a writer before Christ, probably in English is Terence. And uh, me, it actually means nothing which is of humans is uh, distant to me or is uh, leave, me, leave me without uh, attention or without curiosity. And I, I think ah. that that is in some way linked to the more recent uh, motto of Steve Jobs uh, stay hungry, stay foolish. Uh, um in some way that the link of those two that are linked by uh, separated by more than two thousand years, the core m- message is to always be and stay curious curious about yes. everything curious and in my ma- in my case it's curious about the world and is a word uh, maybe in the sector of automotive, but the curiosity of the new things you can see and learn uh, all over the world from everybody from people from every walk of life on uh, every level it's really something that enrich ourselves and gives more awareness and that is th- the motto for me is that one i think uh, so nothing human is distant to me is uh, is uh, strange to me it, I, I must i want to stay angry and foolish and be curious and stay curious for everything in the world
0: Fantastico! I love that saying, and I'll tell you, uh, Michele, you brought me back to my junior high days because I took Latin in junior high. And ah, really? Go go to. I did. Yes, I don't remember hardly any of it, but you, you're saying there. I do recall that saying being one of those that we put up on the board because my teacher Lorna Shade was her name. Don't ask me how I can remember mm-hmm. that, but maybe because it was such a, a class that I struggled in, but. She would put sayings up every morning on the chalkboard. And I do remember that saying and talking about that saying. And, yes, staying hungry for adventure and for life and wanting to do things and always learning and always moving forward. So I like that. Very, very nice. I think you're the first person with a Latin quote here on Cars, yeah? So Okay, thank you. Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for sharing that. Let's go back in time and talk about your personal passion for automobiles. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed an automotive enthusiast?
1: I think that is quite nothing, nothing exceptional. It's quite common. I'm 50 years old now, so for my generation... To get the first car was a, such a, a dream and an achievement. And uh, when I, I turned 19, that actually is 18 is a legal age in Italy for driving. I turned 19. I finally put together enough money to buy the first car. It took my, more than one year to do that. Actually, with the contribution also of my grandmothers and other family members, I put together an amount which is probably right now $3,000, something like that. The The target car was a Fiat Panda, which a very basic and very simple, and, and it was the, the typical car, second or third, and to be bought by second-hand, normally uh, a newcomer, the student, but the dealer, when I went there, and actually it was black, it was nice, but it was very like bread and butter and was typical. Yeah. The dealer at a certain point uh, showed me by chance, but I, I guess it was not by chance, and said, uh, You know, by, by, just yeah. mention, uh, you know, by, by the same price, basically, there is also the other car, but for sure this is too strange for you. And they showed me casually, but not casually, I think, a Volkswagen Scirocco. Uh, first series, 1978, uh, ah. 1. 1.6 liter. It was slightly damaged on the body. And, you know, that choco is the one was designed by Giugiaro by together yes. with the goals. Yes. and. At that moment, it was like a really illumination, and I saw i mean that car for the same price I mean <laughs> and it was really aggressive and sporty, really different from the classic panda that my my mother would have approved my grandmother would have approved my <laughs> father, and I really fell in love with that car and it was so much the car not for a a child but a car for a for a man or, or for the man that I would like to become. And yes. uh, so, even against the, 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 the suggestions from my family, I actually swapped that and say, okay, I, I get that one. Uh, uh-huh. and I asked them, like, what was what's the trick? How is possible? I mean, that it's the same. They say, oh, it's a little bit, it's damaged here, it's quite expensive for the maintenance, for the spare parts, and also it's a gas guzzler because it's very uh, fuel consuming. That's fine because I would use. In any case, I would go to the university on bicycle but I would never. I was not planning to use, to, to spend for the fuel. You know, in Italy, fuel, especially in the 80s, was really, really expensive. Yes. Like three times, four times what you are used here in USA. I was planning to use a car only on a special occasion, dates, trips with friends, weekends, but not on a, on a commuting. And yes. and for the spare parts, okay, I will, I will find a way. I mean, I was studying engineering, I said, well, So I jumped over there and. I was so happy and very proud of that because it was a unique car in, in Torino where I was studying. But then, what the sparked the passion was actually the downside that the dealers said to me the fact of the cost of the spare parts, because that mm-hmm. obliged me. And actually, that car need, really needed was uh, one, uh, 170,000 kilometers old and was the fourth hand. So I was the fifth.
0: Uh, and,
1: uh, 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 and I had to, I could not afford the, the spare parts, the original spare parts from Volkswagen imported from Germany. Uh, at the time, there was no, The Europe was not custom open. So you need to import. Right. And we had the, the lira. We didn't have the euro. So we were really, really poor compared to the Germans. And yeah. so I absolutely could not add. So I, I became used to go to the junkyard and a scavenger to, for spare parts. And and so that became, at the beginning, it was an annoyance. And then I became so passionate. It was so beautiful to be able to find a piece, tearing down, disassemble the car, understanding into the core, make it work, make it better. I know that yeah. that that was a really uh, fantastic
0: time. <laughs> well, you and I share something, Michele. My first new car was a 1979 Scirocco. So, uh, yes. Is it true? Yes. Yes, it is true. Yeah, I bought that car, drove it off the showroom floor. I was in college, and yeah, I had saved up my money and sold a Carmen Ghia I had so I could buy that car. And I had that car for about 10, 11 years. It was a great car. really enjoyed it. The Zajariel design was great. And, of course, I put the the gold BBS basket weave wheels on it. Mine was dark green with a tan interior. So, uh, I mean, we both have... Great taste, uh, oh, most okay. obviously. So, so fantastic. Yeah, very, I mean,
1: Sharok nice. is not so common, so I'm, I'm really happy that we shared this in the background. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yes,
0: yes, we both have a good eye for fun cars. Well, let's take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and talk about a big challenge or a big failure that you have faced along the way. But of course, the most important part of this question is: what did that experience teach you so you could move forward?
1: In, and working in different companies, who have been up and downs in uh, in different markets, in different places, up and down. Definitely, the part of the the fun part of uh, working in a developing market or in some in some cases even exotic places is uh, extremely exciting, but also challenging. And uh, I remember the first time. I moved to China that was, I was working in Brazil for Comao and my client was Chrysler at the time, was Daimler Chrysler, uh, 1999, 98 and 99. It was still, I've been assigned to go and open Comao in Shanghai in China. I was just got married with my wife from Italy and and the idea was actually to settle down in Torino and just have a normal life. And then... Then, when I had the opportunity, I got excited to to go to China. That, which at that time in 1999, 2000, was not really at the center of the world like it is right now. Was not uh, mm-hmm. fashionable. Was was not cool at that time. Was kind yeah. of strange. In fact, I I got the assignment not because it was important but just because nobody else wanted at the time.
0: Oh, Uh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Let's uh, give it to Michele. He'll go to China.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I said, yes, why not? To me, China was such an adventure but to convince my wife, to convince my parents, the family of my wife, which actually ironically, their parents moved the town to Torino to stay closer to to her daughter, oh, together okay. with me, where we're getting married. It's okay. You know what? We are moving to China. Yeah.
0: See uh, you later, folks.
1: <laughs> and when we get there, the, and my wife accepted with the deal. Okay, I, I leave my job, but we will. Up a family, uh, which actually was a little bit resistant to have children at the time because I, I didn't know. I, did, I, I was so immature. Uh, yeah. okay, we did that. We moved to China and uh, she got pregnant after a few months over there, but we were totally alone. And mm, uh, we were yeah. alone and we, we had difficulties in communicating. I was always traveling. Actually, in the months that we needed more during the pregnancy, I was most of the time in Wuhu. Wuhu is a is a small town in Anhui, So I was not even in Shanghai with my wife. So I, I left my wife pregnant in Shanghai alone uh, while I was basically working in Wuhu for Cherry. Uh, okay. uh, and uh, and that, that has been very tough at a certain point, professionally and then family. It was Big credit to my wife actually to resist at the time. Even if the, the controls at the hospital was so difficult because it was illegal to get the uh, ultrasound control because the they, uh, ultrasound check in China was not legal. I think it's still illegal right now. So, wow, that's uh, weird. Not because uh, because there was the uh, the one-child policy. People oh. were using the ultrasound check to select. Uh, what to the, do, the, and that's horrible. Yeah. So that's why yeah. they, the hospital could not do that. So oh, a lot I of, see. Okay. a lot of things like that. But we survived. We had a and, and we had a beautiful girl, and Irene, which is now 50 years old, and uh, still we are still in China. I mean, she is still in China right now because she needs to finish with my uh, the, the school year this year. Okay. Um, but that was has been challenging. But um, yeah, wow. But good. Well, I mean, we'll, I learned a lot. We learn a lot. We'll learn a lot. Reinforce the family and I reinforce yes. the feeling of being part of the community in China. When we were going around with a little girl, everybody wanted to touch her, to cuddle her. And the people, I mean, my the Chinese colleagues and my Chinese clients seen that I was becoming a daddy in Shanghai and sharing with them. I mean, it really bonded us and I became more Chinese. I mean, perceived much more part of the community there. Yes. Uh, Wow. That thought was really great.
0: Yeah. What a story. Wow. Well, my takeaway from that is when you have an opportunity to go to another place, another culture, take that opportunity because you can learn so many different things. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people in the world that don't travel and have not been around need to do more of is go experience another culture because you gain a an understanding of that culture. And it's a lot harder to be angry or negative about a culture when you've been in there and you've met the people. And you realize that around the world, most people are pretty much the same. They want to have a family. They want to take care of their family. And they just want to have a career and a job so they can put food on the table. What an interesting story. Thanks for sharing that. Let's go to a time when you had a career aha moment. It's one of those times when you realize, this is the right direction for me to go. Okay,
1: yes. Uh, this is um, not far, it looks like, uh, maybe it sounds boring, but in the same adventure of being in China for Komao after having the child, then I, I start working, and it, I'm talking about 2002, 2003, China was really booming, and uh, I was in the right place at the right moment because uh, the Chinese uh, market was moving for the automotive sector and uh, all the Chinese OEMs were beginning to ramp up a production because the request was very, very high. But for us, it was a little bit challenging because we're an Italian company for automation. And in, I mean, in many places of the world, and especially in China where there was less awareness for certain things, to be Italian in, a, in the design or fashion would have been a plus. But being Italian, an Italian company in high technology, automation, laser welding, things like that, uh, was kind of seen as a curiosity and, and a little bit as a, with caution and perplexity in some way. So I had a lot of meetings, a lot of, but it was kind of hard to break into the trust. I mean, We could get into the sympathy, uh, but the trust. And that was, was hard. And then I've been, I, again, I've been lucky. Sometimes, I mean, I've, I've been lucky of, of a, a special situation. I don't even remember in 2003, at a certain point, uh, China uh, experienced the vi- the virus of SARS. There was SARS, yes, of the SARS. Yes, uh, yes. So the epidemic of SARS uh, started from the south, Hong Kong, and then spread quickly up. And that was uh, April of 2003. It was it, it caught everybody un- unprepared at the time. Also, the, the the press in China was still very slow into opening up and giving bad news. The, the, the situation became clear when it was a little bit too late, and so there was a panic and people running away so most of the foreigners let's say the expatriated, the non Chinese people uh, working in, in, in China that means basically working in shanghai in Beijing, Hong Kong in the big big cities uh, most of them started to flee the countries, uh, mm. starting from the the, the one that they start, like the Japanese uh, that were among the first. To come to China in the automotive industry, but also the Americans and general motors and the, and the Germans for Volkswagen and Audi so there was a that period was really tough, and of course we were also getting prepared to flee. but my kid was actually in into the into the kindergarten, and my wife said, okay, uh, but I don't want to go away." myself if we move i stay with you if you stay here you stay here if we move out we move out together so we i kind of begin to i had a lot of discussion so for for uh, work uh, issues i say okay we cannot leave now let's i, I start postponing it week by week and then i became to be part of the community of the Chinese within the the industry, so uh, in the automotive so talking about OEMs and suppliers, uh, tier ones, because everybody else was going out away, I, at a certain point, I became to be perceived by my clients, the OEM, the Chinese OEM as one of them, because they were asking, oh, 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 are you still here? You're not leaving? And I would say, oh, yes, I'm, I may be in one week or two weeks, but uh, I need to finish this one. I need to finish that. Yeah. And and that was also explaining. But my wife is here. My daughter go to school here. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, so and that was, a, again, a big bond because, uh, because they started to see, OK, so this guy is actually here to stay. And it's. it's Similar to us. I mean, we have family, we have the children, to school, we are scared of the SARS, but we have yes. to, to carry on. In some way, the, the others that are fleeing were seen as people giving up. Yes. And, and then, I mean, the perception of, the, of my clients and, and the OEMs and my business partners in, in the automotive industry in China really changed dramatically. And I became, I mean, the dinners and and laughing together and traveling together and really building the trust Mm, that was so difficult for me to build on the base of uh, preconception and biases about Italians.
0: And so when the
1: SARS uh, finished, that bond uh, remained. And actually, they were even telling the people that were coming back after fleeing when they were safe in some way we're saying okay now it's easy for you to come back because the SARS is finished but they wanted in some way to uh, demonstrate gratitude to the ones that actually didn't flee didn't leave the country yes. and uh, and actually also because they we, we they build up a trust a real trust and the trust came because a lot of those, uh, some of those uh, business partners, when I, when I changed my world from Comao Automation Robots to Pininfarina, the OEMs were the same, and the, the many business partners were the same, and we continued to, have business, to, to work together, and the trust continued by the years, because in Asia and in China, also, the, the relationship is difficult to get, to, to break into, but when you establish it, it's, it, it's long-term, it's personal, it's deep. So yes. that was a aha moment for me to, to wow. really get the trust.
0: Yeah, very interesting story. I was going to go to China. I remember 2003, and I had to cancel my trip because of the SARS concern and people saying, oh, you should not go there. You might get sick. And so I had to cancel and went later. But uh, very, very interesting story. Well, let's have a little bit of fun. Now, you talked about that Scirocco you had, but what was your first really special vehicle?
1: That, that was my really special vehicle. I mean, it was that 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 one, I, I kept it as long as possible, and uh, I had to, as I said, it continuously not only maintain uh, to do the maintenance, actually replacing parts. And at a certain point in, in in more and more often, I couldn't find the right uh, spare part, the the, the the exact uh, replacement. So I started to become creative with the with the help of mechanics and friends to adapt. Components. Many Shiroko first generation were uh, components were not existing, so we adapted the, some similar components like the water pump, uh, the, the the disc from the Audi 80. So oh. at a certain point, my my after some years, my car was at, at a certain point it became impossible to to register because was so many. Change was should have been registered as a prototype, basically. Huh. And, I and, see. And, yeah, True, truly, and I mean the motorized the authority told me, no, actually, with all these changes, now this car cannot be <laughs> renovated the <laughs> license. So, yeah. and, and the insurance were going up. So, at a certain point, i had to uh, to go. give it up, uh, but i didn't want I wanted to get married with that i w- my, my dream was to use the sirocco to for the famous uh, just married image of uh, after the, the, oh, the, the yeah the, and so I, <laughs> I kept the car in uh, in uh, the backyard of my in laws for even if without the insurance for two or three years just waiting for the for the wedding. And so at the end, at, during the wedding, we we, we took it up, uh, the, uh, the car again. And, and with my friends, we kept uh, uh, maintaining the car and making work in some time, driving it in a... A safe area, hoping not to get uh, police. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, so I had that. So that also in- increased uh, the, the the feeling and the link, the bond between me and the Sirocco. Actually, that was unique, Shiroko, because it was actually transforming something that was <laughs> uh, was <laughs> very strange. And uh, and so uh, the achievement of actually getting married with the Shiroko and uh, was uh, was a big uh, big achievement. And and when I had to to actually send the car after some years uh, to the junkyard because it was impossible to register to everything, to, to own it, to, to drive it. That was a big, big uh, emotional uh, moment. Yes. So if I ever yeah. had the uh, possibility to get another Chirocco, the same color, a uh, horrible, brazil brown, uh, gold, <laughs> <so> yeah, <laughs> I would do that.
0: Oh, fun. Well, you're in Santa Clara right now, and you're yeah. working on a very special project uh, tell our listeners about this new project that you're working on um
1: we in, in california is one of the reasons why uh, Icona, the company the, the, the italian design house i worked to for, for open one of the reasons i opened the the, the the studio last year in southern california is because in, is because california is in, right now becoming the the really the hub and the center of of the revolution of the Car industry in the sense of autonomous driving and electrical vehicle battery and uh, uh-huh. and and uh, hyper connected cars and it's it's really true there is there's a uh, uh, huge amount of uh, startups initiatives even even some are very very fast and maybe they are not uh, arriving up to the end and they, re- reach, uh, they they break down into different initiatives but it's a uh, it's, it's a really, really exciting time. One of these uh, startups, and actually one of the newcomers, a new, new brand into, in the electrical vehicle sphere here, is SF Motor. I, it, it's a new name. It's a new brand. And uh, we are here. We, are working, we have been working for them for more than one year right now to design and to support their design team and also to build prototype, the the show cars, that is going to be unveiled uh, this Wednesday. So I'm in Santa Clara to, to, to the final touches and the final setup of the car, of the show car. And it's exciting because it's something that is opening up to the world, uh, starting basically from zero. Nobody heard Basically of uh, SF motor it is something it's something new, and we did i have to say that has been a big effort it is a big adventure for this group to come together and and work and build up the team at the same time to build up the, the project and so be part of that is so exciting such a such a speed, such a rush, but still a high level of professionalism uh, is really exciting so i'm I'm on the rooftop where this Wednesday there will be the bigger uh, event for the press for the for the uh, international car community to present this uh, new brand and with the, with a the lineup of, of vehicles that I cannot dis- I cannot I think anticipate right now but actually uh, it's uh, it's it's quite interesting quite interesting yes and the, yeah. we are being lucky that we'll be working to the uh, in the lineup to the the premium model which is the one that will is supposed to to establish the brand with a premium model and i i, I say i can say that we are quite quite uh, happy and quite satisfied for what we have done together with with, uh, with a team with the design team of the client so
0: it's very exciting. yeah now if uh, listeners want to go and learn more about this vehicle is there a website where they can go learn about it
1: it's SF Motors, so it's you can you can Google that or you can look at that on, on LinkedIn. Um, okay. It's yes, I I, I, SF, I the,
0: so so it's SF Stephen Frank Motors yeah, yes, SF actually, San
1: Francisco means the San Francisco San, Motors. Yeah. We are in San Francisco. The there you area. go.
0: Awesome, great. Well, I'll make sure I put a link to that on Michele's show notes page. Now, here's a very introspective question for you: If you were a vehicle, what would you be? and why
1: it's <laughs> a nice question um, it's the one that, one vehicle that i think i would like to be is the fiat 1100 is the one, one, zero, zero, one, uh, 1100 or uh, ah. 1100 60s not it's, a, it's an italian car was was designed for the second a wave of motorization in Italy after the Fiat 500, uh, the Fiat 500, the Fiat 1100, one, one 1100. But mm-hmm. I would like to be the Fiat C- 1100 in India. In India is one of my favorite places, together with China. And uh, in India, the Fiat uh, in the 60s was one of the first, uh, together with uh, with the Morris uh, Ambassador was the first imported car from, to, to the Indian market. It was a kind of closed market at that time. Up to the 80s, mm-hmm. uh, India was quite closed. And uh, the Morris ambassador was meant to be a car for the government officials. So, premium level, very important. Uh, The Fiat Millecento instead was the car for, I could not say for the masses because it was uh, in any case quite expensive for the the average population, but still not for the government officials, but for the normal people. And that Fiat, from the 60s, those cars, are being uh, first used as both and used by the normal population, then became too old and and, and uh, overcome by new technology by other models. But those cars, because in India the cars never been are never uh, uh, thrown away, being transformed into taxis. And uh. still now you can find in Mumbai and Delhi Fiat Millicent of the sixties. It's a kind of of uh, Havana in 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 Cuba, where you can still see this very old car running. But these uh, Fiat MilaCent are very humble, but they are being transformed by generations and generations, and they're similar to my old Scirocco. They are generation by the generation, they change it. They get their own personality because the, each car, because of the, the replacement, the modification, the changes, uh, has been reinvented and, and, and even painted because this is part of the Indian culture that the vehicle is part of the family. So they are yes. painted by colors. They, they do that also for commercial vehicles, They, they mm-hmm. like they used to do with a chariot, with a with a oxes carrying the chariot. So it's a really old tradition to personalize their vehicle with the colors and paintings and decorations. And they do that with this Fiat Millecento. The Fiat Millecento, they are older than myself because they're the 60s. And, and it looks like their life it will never end. They will keep on being <laughs> transformed and transformed and becoming part of their family and being unique. So I think that that would be, that would be very nice to be a Fiat, Fiat Millecento in India. That would
0: be my dream. That was a very, very unique answer to that question. Very nice. Well, Michele, we're up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Carja yeah sponsors. Hey, this is Mark Green. You know, I've been using Covercraft covers to protect my cars and motorcycles since I was in high school. That was way back in 1975. This month, I'm offering you, as a Carja yeah listener, a very special deal. Starting April 16th, 2018 through April 30th, 2018, you'll receive 10% off all NOAA fabric custom car covers and 10% off all Wolf Ready Fit semi-custom covers. Simply use the code CARSYEAH on checkout at Covercraft.com. NOAA is the most popular outdoor fabric specially made by Kimberly Clark to protect your special vehicle. It provides maximum protection from the harmful UV rays of the sun, Rain, dust, those nasty bird droppings, snow, dings, and it's breathable, and it's very soft on your paint. Wolf Ready Fit Semi Custom Covers are an economical option and provide indoor and outdoor protection for your special car. Simply go to Covercraft.com and order the style and color you like best, and boom, you're set. You'll thank me later, and your car will thank me too. That's Covercraft.com, and be sure to use the code CARSYA at checkout. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Michele, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received?
1: Drive slowly and enjoy the view. <laughs> I
0: <think>. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think in the States here we say, enjoy the, uh, smell the flowers. Stop and smell the flowers. Stop and uh, smell, yeah. smell the
1: flowers. And myself, yeah. I, I add, uh, listen to the music. I mean, the driving, and, and, and I'm re- rediscovering this here in in California to be, uh, driving. I, I, when it was a CS uh, in Las Vegas, I drove through through the desert to get to Las Vegas. It was like five hours, and with the good music and good view. I mean, it was was a pleasure. And I was thinking that in the future, where there would be autonomous driving, I mean, you don't really enjoy that, which is so nice to be yes. uh, uh, driving <laughs> yourself and uh, so. Yeah.
0: Very nice. Now, would you share one of your personal habits you believe is? contributed to your many successes over the years
1: Uh, i've learned to to listen and 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 learn from everybody and that that, that curiosity is not only for i'm not i'm not curious as a like a conqueror but i'm curious like really learning i mean from everybody Mm -hmm. that is that is in the business area and in the world
0: perfect now do you have a resource that you think our listeners would enjoy that you go to quite often
1: I now there is the internet. It's it's. I I browse. I like to browse the car magazines of the Southeast Asia. Uh, ah. These are because I mean they are now everybody's connected. So they also uh, work. They are uh, they have reviews about the, the latest cars uh, all over the world. But they do it in general. With a style, which is so enthusiastic. I mean, in, in the old world, I mean, especially in Europe, we are more like tied up. I mean, we will try to be very professional, very serious. But yes. instead, the, over there, it's like a, maybe a little bit childish, maybe, but it's beautiful because they maintain the capacity of being, of being amazed. And and so they write about the cars with such an enthusiasm, and so I, I I like that. So if if the the car magazines of Southeast Asia, I think right now in English language, that's the only one I can see, I can read. Uh, buy if you can, if you have the chance to buy on uh, like the hard copies, it's fantastic. But otherwise, on the internet also, it's uh, I find them informative and at the same time very very uh, entertaining. And the,
0: Very the, nice. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that be?
1: I have to say that I owe so much to Mr. Andrea Pininfarina. He gave me the opportunity to to join Pininfarina in 2005. And that's been a great opportunity. Pininfarina was and still is a great company. Andrea was a third generation of Pinifarina. he was really really a charismatic person he was a, such a humble person and a, such a, a lovely person the whole company was evolving around him and sincerely when the the tragedy hit uh, 2008 and and the okay in it was it was a shock at a, yes. every level for everybody for the city yeah. for the company for for all the the workers of infarina and the business uh, people associated with it. businessmen but especially as a person. So I I miss him and if I. I had the luck to be uh, to to be traveling with him in in many places, including India and China and uh, unusual places. So, I, if I had the opportunity to, to share again the drink with him, and that, that I would like to do it with that Farina for sure.
0: Yeah, that was such a tragedy. He was on, I think, a scooter, a Vespa scooter, was uh, hit by a car, and True. we lost lost him. So yeah, that August be... two
1: thousand and eight uh, yes. was a Saturday morning, and uh, it, was,
0: yeah.
1: it was using the scooter of his son, and to to come to the office. It was a yeah. tragedy. Yes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy?
1: Um, I'm reading right now is The Runaway Species How Human Creativity Remakes the World.
0: Oh, okay. And who's the author of that book?
1: Yes, it's uh, David Engelman and Anthony Brandt. Uh, Okay. One is a cognitive uh, scientist, and the other one is an artist and a musician. And I I, I found this book fantastic because it really. Uh, focus on what makes human hum, the humans human, which is the creativity, mm-hmm. which is also very linked to the curiosity we we'll talked about before. But the creativity, and it looks at the creativity in all forms: the, uh, the creative of art, but also the creativity in the work, the creative in the family relationship, uh, in uh, in the culture, the, the, in a, from the cultural point of view and and anthropological point of view. And I I found it so. I mean, it's so interesting to read it and being working in an environment where there are a lot of designers who are creative, and I'm not a cre- I'm not a designer. So I'm, I enjoy being uh, at least in relationship with real creative people. Uh, yes. I find this book really, really interesting.
0: Very nice. Well, I'll remind our listeners: you can find links to all these great resources on Micheli's Straniero's Nothing car page, and say. let me <laughs> let me spell his name for you m-i-c-h-e-l-e michele and then straniero s-t-r-a-n-i-e-r-o fine italian a latin name all right well we are up to the checkered flag michele and this last question can be a bit of a doozy i'm going to buy you any cool collector car in the world today doesn't matter where it is what it costs i'm going to take care of that for you what is that car going to be
1: um a ferrari testarossa the fir- the first the first uh, uh edition uh, i think ah. it's 84 designed by by Ottina and pininfarina and uh, that, that, yeah. that. Uh, i think it i was i was 16 years old when it came out I still, I still the one that I would like to have. is a dream, of course, but
0: uh... <laughs> of course. Michele, I would figure you would choose a Ferrari, of course, being Italian. So I'm so happy for you. I'm going to start looking for one of those for you right away. What color would you like? <laughs> it's red, of course. Red, of course. Of Ferrari course. Red. Why did... Rosso red? Yes, of course. Well, Michele, you've taken us on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you for taking some time out of this uh, debut of this new. SF car that you're going to be debuting in Santa Clara, and by the time the show airs, that car will have been out, so people can go and check it out. We'll put links to it on your show notes page. Would you give us a little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off into the Italian countryside in that Ferrari Testarossa?
1: I've been so much away from from Italy. I would suggest anybody to to take a ride and go to Tuscany and drive on the Tuscan hills. And follow, I mean, and stop in the very small villages, not in the big uh, touristic city, but in very small villages, enjoy, smell the flowers and uh, look at the the architecture and uh, eat the local food and drink local wine. And and then back in your car and uh, with the right music in the background, uh, driving over the hills.
0: (laughs) That sounds like a nice way to spend some time. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and your company?
1: Well, I think LinkedIn right now is working very well. So um, Google, i uh, finding myself on LinkedIn and that there are all the connection over there.
0: There we go. Well, listeners, again, I will put a link to Michele's LinkedIn page Perfect. on his Car yeah, show notes page so you can connect with him and look at more about what he's doing in the company and the wonderful automotive designs that they do for people. Michele, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Absolutely, Mark. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Grazie. Ciao, ciao. Arrivederci. Bye-bye. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner.